0: This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve, go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it. I know. What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Today, we are, we're shorthanded man. Yep abandoned us. We Finally, got short. We finally
1: uh made it down to the final two.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow! Shout out, shout, out, shout out to Melissa. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we, we, final we, three. We have a missing seat. Okay. Guapo,
0: Are could you just landed? gonna let him overlook you like that? <laughs> All that? three. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. what he meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> we we tried to give old Pooh an extra half hour to wake up, but it wasn't happening. Now you see why the uh the crew is a skeleton crew. Uh big shout out to Conrad out in San Diego, just mm-hmm. hanging out with the SEALs, out on the beaches, you know. La Jolla. La Jolla or La Jolly. La, Jolly. La Jolla. if you're <laughs> if you're uncultured.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh big weekend. A lot of fist fights. A lot of fist fights. I don't know if anybody's paying any attention. <laughs> Jake Paul fought. Knocked out Nate Diaz. Uh, no did he didn't in a knock decision, him out right yeah, yeah it was in a decision didn't knock him down I, I don't know shit about the paul brothers or uh, they apparently were on disney at one point
3: they were disney for a little while um
0: now they're fighters and then from disney and podcasters they,
3: they switched over to youtube right and then they got a little viral over there and then the younger brother really got into boxing
0: and, that's uh, jake
3: yeah and then he's been doing that for four years now four and, or five years. and his brother is doing WWE. WWE. Yeah.
0: No one knows his real name, but he's the more famous of the two.
3: Well, it's debatable now.
0: Well, from my vantage point, if you put them side by side, I recognize the other one, even though I can't remember his name.
3: I can't either. I just know Jake.
0: Yeah, uh, was Jake Paul the one who who like faked a suicide on YouTube? He definitely didn't fake it. He
3: was walking through a forest. I guess. That's oh, in Japan, the for, suicide like, forest. People committing suicide, and he right. actually came across a body. Yeah.
0: Oh. Oh. Yeah, put it on YouTube. And he and uploaded then... it, did he? Yeah. <laughs> I that see. That was not a good idea. I see. Uh, interesting strategy. Seems to have worked.
1: Yeah, it's going to get you clicks,
0: probably. What the fuck is his brother's name? Don't ask me, man. Let's, I don't, not, I don't let's find know. out. Ryan? Bob? Is it, is it Tommy? Perhaps. <laughs> it could be, Tommy, he's <laughs> out sure, on the docks. I'm sure chat is letting us know. <laughs> does, right? does he work out on the docks? Logan Paul. Logan, that's definitely Logan. the more famous of the two. Hmm uh i actually like their podcast i think it's it's really well done and i'm pretty sure logan's the the main host yeah
3: impulsive right
0: yeah yeah they're just making all the fucking money
3: well i know they just sold prime to the ufc I don't that know the how, I don't know energy how that, drink yeah okay so i know the rock just did a branding deal with them sure prime sure um, so yeah I'm sure they're doing very well
0: see this is these are the people that should start podcasts not us <laughs> we'll never amount to shit but they will make a billion fucking dollars just by talking once a week on the mics I don't why know why can't I can, we do I, that I can
3: see I can see us I could see a big only friends podcast right in the middle of a USC ring god mm-hmm. that would be so amazing I mean amazing.
0: I could me see so it happy. but it's not gonna <laughs> happen Wapa would love it
3: oh god I would be in heaven that'd be so amazing <laughs>
0: I mean, it's weird because like we are in Vegas, we're in the epicenter when it comes to all this entertainment. Was the where was the boxing match at?
3: Texas, some uh, Dallas or Houston.
0: Okay, and now now uh, Jake Paul wants to fight him in M- MMA.
3: Yeah, isn't I, he
0: like forty pounds heavier?
3: No, no, no. They both made one eighty five. Nate is like that skinny fat guy that you know. Okay, yes, yeah, so
0: he's old though, right?
3: Thirty eight yeah so for fighters yeah he's he's up there
0: wait they both made 185 isn't jake paul like 6'4 uh no i don't think he's really he seems tall as fuck maybe i'm off
3: his brother is a little bit taller
0: Mm. Hmm. uh his wwe appearance was nothing shy of impressive man's a fucking athlete
3: well yeah he was a i think he was a standout wrestler as well like in high school
0: that makes sense yeah, I mean, these two are definitely clearly athletic. I don't know much about anything as far as their fighting careers go. I, just what I read on the Twitter sphere. Well, people he's 185 aren't impressed.
3: centimeters, whatever that means.
0: Oh, I learned this conversion the other day. Uh, so you've since I, forgot. I have since forgot, but I think 180 <laughs> centimeters is six foot.
3: Yeah, six foot one. You're right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I had it backwards in my head, I thought a meter was three feet but actually a yard is three feet and meter is, is like 3.2 yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So
1: <laughs> nothing in the metric system converts evenly to, no, to, yeah. To, I to I the American that, no. version. Right. And
0: honestly, I didn't even think it was that yeah. big of a deal, but I, w- I was talking to somebody who, uh, is from South America. And I said, I was two meters tall and she was like, no, you're not. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. rude. <laughs> And yeah, because really, that would
1: be like I'm six five, one, uh, right?
0: Uh, something like yeah, that. Yeah, probably something close. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm actually one point eight meters tall. <laughs> yeah, which is significantly less. Yeah, yeah.
3: You're exactly six feet tall.
0: Yeah, okay. which I've now since learned is one point eight meters or 180 centimeters.
3: I think I'm five eleven. Six
0: foot on six Tinder. Foot. <laughs> Shout out, little dicky. Uh, are we gonna break into? Song and chorus. I mean, we could. You're waiting in the bullpen? Do you have a camera this time, Conrad? That's the real question. Mm. Or a mic, or... You think
3: he'll be on for more than 30 seconds this time? No. Yeah, I think he just wants to step all over some segues. What That's
0: should... fine. He can do that. That's, See what he's it wouldn't for... be a podcast for, for. if he didn't do that. I doubt that he's paid attention to anything this weekend, so we're probably <laughs> fine.
3: Oh, we get the up-the-nose shot. I like this.
0: Oh, nice. Something oh, that's, nice. that's what we signed up for. Mm-hmm.
1: What is popping, squad? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Connie. No, you look no, relaxed no, as fuck.
0: It? Huh? You
3: look relaxed as fuck. You enjoying oh, your yeah. vacation? You know, I'm just trying to chill, enjoy yeah. San Diego. He's actually for outside rent. of a CVS on the street right now. <laughs> no, He's don't playing tell on the pavement. That's something right? that you're seeing in the background. <laughs> But
0: if you guys can send some dollars, you know, it'd be much appreciated. Send some
3: <laughs> Send some bucks over.
0: What are you doing?
3: Oh who, no, I'm just
0: Who now. paid for this trip? <laughs> Jesus, everyone just calm down. My God. <laughs> what are you guys doing over there? Are you guys holding a podcast or something? What are we talking about today? Well, why don't you tell us, Conrad? You seem to be so fucking good at the segues.
1: Well, you know, since I had my sidekick
0: put everything into works the couple of last couple of days, I got some shit to do. I was handling out here in Slam Diego, but you know, I had to pop in real quick, say hi to the people, and did, enjoy my sidekick.
2: Did he How just call I it
0: done? Slam Diego? Slam Diego, yeah. Why?
1: Well, because it's slamming. Because San Diego Slam Diego. You know the Padres. Do you know nothing? <laughs> I didn't know that. Was My a thing. God! I gotta be honest. Juan <laughs> Soto. What
0: the fuck is Machado? This man Etis is Jr. insane. He's
1: slamming home runs over
0: there, Conrad. I saw. I saw you. Uh, I saw you made your way to, to Mobile, Alabama, to to get into a steel cage wrestling match and uh, chair bash somebody. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you did, you didn't see the fight in at the Marriott uh, floating hotel? no wait
2: oh actually i did
0: i thought you were there on site <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't you with the chair that bashed that woman in the head <laughs> Jesus. what the fuck is all with Alabama? <laughs>
1: what was that that was some weird shit All right, guys.
2: I think you're doing a great job, Brian. Keeping the wine up, and you know it's good. Love you guys.
3: The river down the that
1: take your shoes off now. They're, they're waterlogged. What's up? I was
2: told a
1: minute
2: ago.
0: Think, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I think this is all reasonable to make fun of because, as far as I as far as I know, from what I read, nobody really got injured. Um, I mean, except
3: for the lady. That oh, the I learned a few chairs. things. I learned a few Black things eyes. watching this.
0: All right, I learned a few things watching this. Number one, uh, fist fighting is not that dangerous if everybody is untrained. Number two, steel chairs, not that big of an impact. <laughs> it's kind of like the WWE. You know, it's like Jesus Christ. Uh, but the backstory to this was. Apparently, there was a Marriott uh, cruise ship of some sort, not cruise ship, but like, I don't know, a a riverboat, riverboat. yeah, yeah. that was attempting to park, and when the officer, the security officer, told this group of white guys to move their boat so that the the riverboat could park there, they just jumped him. And that's what you saw in the early portion, where the security guard threw his hat up and And started to throw down. So that kid who jumped off of the boat was one of the staff members of the Marriott. He's 16 years old uh, and is being ordained a local hero. He jumped off the boat, swam to shore, helped the guy out. Honestly, basically ended it until the boat docked. Mm. And then the whole staff came and came to the the rescue of the, the guard, so to speak, which led to utter fucking pandemonium pandemonium. yeah just chairs and there, there were two officers there that you saw which they rightfully arrested the guy who smashed the woman over the head apparently uh i don't know how accurate this is but i was reading that the woman who got hit in the head by the still chair is either a part of the local government or a relative of someone in the local government uh I think this was in Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, so there's there's like an ever so slight political narrative behind this as well. Not not like fueling the violence or anything, no, but, right. but uh, you know <laughs> as part of being the story. Um, and I guess she was a part of that that small crew that wouldn't move the boat. So who the fuck knows what what led to this? I mean, it's Jesus. just I, I think it's funny to watch. Like everyone just needs to take a deep breath jesus <laughs> yeah like i you mean heard what the is in here you heard the woman in the video y'all was wrong <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah i, I mean, wish i could relate i know we talked about this last week but i've never been in a fist fight before ever i've never been in a fist god fight. you're lucky yeah i just i don't know how that would end up like i like think that. papa's
1: like the nicest guy ever you ever you expect him to ever be in a fist no, nice. i mean
3: like you would think that something would pop off like once yeah. in my life where it was like mm-hmm. okay i guess it's time to like throw down but Imagine being the sober guy. I'd be scared to like either obviously get hurt or or more scared that I would hurt someone and then... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not exactly jail material. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think I would do very well there.
0: Sure. Uh, I've seen fights like this. Just living in the baseball house in college, eventually the party turns to a late night where people you don't want to show up, show up. Mm -hmm. Everyone's toasted and shit pops off but yeah I mean not usually it just you know scatters somebody might end up with a black yeah. eye or something like that no, no chairs are usually involved that was a uh, that was a wild turn of events to say the least <laughs> man <it> was just <laughs> I saw a twitter comment where, where someone said like Jesus Christ that guy with the, the steel chair and somebody else said leave him alone man how often do you just get to live your best life WWE style <laughs> <laughs> like
1: that that's, that is a thing. Like, if it wasn't for WWE, like, I don't think anybody would think to just take a chair like that and start right. hitting people. Right. Like, I've seen this on TV. <laughs> yeah, or at least not like the
0: overhead smash. Right. Maybe you know, like a sideways yeah, yeah. to the arm or, mm-hmm. or something to to uh, disable somebody. But no, man, they just they just went with it. Uh, so yeah, Conrad had to flee. He he was. He just uh, dipped
1: out right in the middle of well, that video. He,
0: you know, he didn't want to. He didn't want to self-report. <laughs> <laughs> he's not actually in San Diego he's out there causing shit <laughs> shout out to my man Jay Chris in the chat what's going on I gotta give what him owe him a phone call he called me like three weeks ago and I was busy and left a message and I just I never remember to return calls I'm the worst terrible yeah, I friend I apologize yeah. Jace I'm a terrible friend there was more fights this one actually led to a KO in the uh, Guardians White Sox game We saw Jose Ramirez squaring up with, uh, I can't remember. Tim Anderson? Tim Anderson, yeah, yeah. Who got fucking bopped. Uh, Anderson got some nice shots off, man. He threw probably three haymakers, all of which Ramirez absolutely dodged. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to say who's who, because the White Sox. That's part about this is they got like nose to nose and the umpire was like between them trying to break it up. And then he realized, like he saw them square off and he just backed up like a boxing referee and just gave them (laughs) the the cue to go. Uh, So yeah, Tim Anderson squared off. He hit him with a couple straight rights and then came with a hard left that missed uh, maybe got Ramirez a little bit in the body and in the process, Ramirez just wound up and haymakered him mm-hmm. right to the fucking jaw. Yeah, he he fell flat on his back. Yeah, so uh, Ramirez absolutely put him out, put him on his ass. Uh, they, they tried to help him stand up. He was wobbly.
3: Oh, wow. So he hit him super clean.
0: Oh, he got him clean right in the jaw. Uh, knocked him out and then like, you know, they were trying to help him off the field. And he was all jelly-legged and <laughs> and whatnot it was it was it was better than the the paul diaz fight for sure you don't you don't see that
1: very like you see benches clearing a lot in baseball Mm -hmm. and you see some uh even sometimes you you'll you will see like a fist being thrown or but like you it it never ends like that where like a guy just knocks a guy out i mean it has happened in the past but rarely do we see like yeah. It come to actual, like, there are a couple
0: blows. that come to mind. There was the Robin Ventura Nolan Ryan charged the mound. but that's what I'm saying. It, like you know, Nolan was like was time. 40 yeah. or 40, put him right in that headlock time. and just
3: gave him some nuggies. Yeah. man,
0: he just fucked him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was the Jose Batista. Uh, I can't remember who he squared up with. Do you, you don't oh, remember yeah. this fight? No, I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I don't know if we can get an image of that. Uh, of of who he squared up with, but that was like just a full blown slugfest. Right, yeah,
3: Batista versus who? Uh,
0: I don't remember. Mm. It'll pop up though. It was it was a very uh, yeah. memorable moment. Mm-hmm. I think he's one who got clocked, Batista. I think so. I'm pretty yeah. sure he just got yeah. like one punch. And then there
1: was one other one too that happened a few years ago. Oh, it was in the infield. Well, the the Reds and the Pirates. Yeah, well, that, was uh, that, that,
0: that was your boy, fucking. Uh, Rodriguez, yeah,
1: hey, Rod or uh, Sean Rod, Sean Rod, Sean Fucking Rod,
0: popping off from the bench mm-hmm. where he goddamn belongs. Yeah. <laughs> Love
1: Sean Rod, man. yeah, of course. When you he do. beat up the
0: cooler, yeah, yeah, <laughs> did a better job. Oh, th- this the cooler. is it. This is the one, yeah, this, this was, uh, is uh, enough,
1: uh, huh? uh, Omar, right, or or
0: Odor, Odor, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It looks like a bad man that you mm-hmm. just don't want to fuck with. Right. And Batista just got yeah. absolutely
1: clocked. He had like a the biggest like shiner
0: Yeah. Well, he, that, like
1: his, <laughs> just a just a giant He went
0: at him with those stupid ass face. Oakley's on mm-hmm. and got him knocked right off his face. Yeah. Uh give me you, a little tease. Yeah, whatever show it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you know. there's no such thing as a tease. Once you show yeah. it, we're fucked anyway. Yep.
3: So what happened here? Uh, he it's went, all, he it's slid to really hard. side. like how he slid in yeah. like that? Is that a shitty slide? I don't understand It is now. Yeah. Oh, that's considered a no no.
0: Yeah, you're not allowed to anymore. You're not allowed to take out slides any longer. Yeah.
3: Um well if you're going into
1: the base, you are.
0: You're not allowed to slide through the base.
1: Yeah, right, right. If you slide if you if you slide through so you the base and pass the base, yeah, you can't then, start a late Then slide. yeah,
0: right. Um yeah, they changed it. And the leg. you
1: can't go out of the baseline. baseline like right. you can't like yeah.
0: Um yeah, you have to be able to grab you have to be
1: sliding into the base and stay on the base. Right. If you slide on the side of it to to
0: there was the, the guy, uh, you're out. There was the Albert Bell one too, where to break up the double play, he just fucking destroyed mm-hmm. the second baseman. Yeah. But like that was never gonna that was never gonna turn into a <laughs> you just take your lumps there, I think.
1: A lot of testosterone, man, you know? Yeah,
0: could be. Uh, I'm surprised the, do you remember the Piazza Roger Clemens in the Subway Series? I thought it was the
1: ball. (laughs) (laughs) Please. I'm
0: surprised that didn't amount to more. Yeah, he just
1: takes a a shard, uh, a a broken bat, like it might as well be a spear, and just chucks it at him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't ever going to hit him. He threw it like at his feet. Yeah, but still. The intent was there, but like, right. he was never going to hurt Piazza. I mean, I don't know. Piazza was never going to charge his mounds.
1: Mm,
0: probably not.
3: I like all this fight talk. Nice. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Mr. Nate Diaz for being so resilient. I got him at plus 350. Um,.
0: I just oh, man, him that to seemed... last,
3: I just needed him to last 10 rounds. I, I knew Paul was going to oh. win. I was going to say, it
0: seemed like free money to bet on Jake Paul.
3: Yeah, but I just needed Nate to not get knocked out. And he's never been knocked out all those years in the UFC, so it was a good bet. Nice,
1: very nice.
0: So yeah. you got plus 350 on a non-knockout? Uh, Jake Paul by decision, plus 350, yeah. Wow, that seems also like...
3: I thought it was a good line, too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe it's. I mean, I guess maybe it's not free money because everybody well, was were positive.
3: Jake to just knock him out, and yeah. he almost did literally in the first round.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I wonder what the line was on, um, when McGregor fought, uh, Floyd. I wonder what the line was I, I on non knockout.
3: oh that I couldn't tell you.
0: I mean, Floyd was free money. Yeah, he I was never going to lose the. I
3: got him like at plus four twenty. No, no, no.
0: Floyd. Yeah, or... No, minus.
3: No, no, excuse me. That's what I meant to say. Minus 420. Really? Yeah, minus 420. Oh, wow. I I, I, the I, line, got, I waited like, for the line to just get super, super juicy, and then...
0: I mean, it must have been really early, because I'm pretty sure, like, it closed at something stupid. Like, As it
3: got... Cl- yeah, all the smart money came in towards the end.
0: Yeah, it had to be, like... I think it closed, like, something like, minus 800, or wow. maybe even worse. Um, yeah, obviously, that was free money, but I wonder, I wonder what the, the non-knockout price was, because Floyd's not exactly known for knocking people out
3: yeah that would have been a good
0: i don't know uh (laughs) more wholesome content (laughs) now that we've
1: more wholesome than that
0: we've properly uh highlighted all of the the fisticuffs from the week how how are they three major fights in a weekend Uh, well i don't know is it like a full moon or something don't I'm- fucking start, Brian. <laughs> okay, like, Shub- well,
1: Melissa's is not here,
2: Shub's so I had is- to do it, right? Tubes is
0: still in bed, yeah. barely able to even turn the stream on. Let's not. That's
1: that's different go than you
0: know Matt the astronomer on. But uh, I saw uh, Ricky Williams did an interview with Pat McAfee this past week. Okay, and McAfee was asking about like life after the NFL and everything else, and he's like, yeah, he's like, it's different. I still. You know, I I love the things that I do and I still work a lot. Uh, I have the High Times brand, which apparently is like his cannabis line or whatever. And then he's like, uh, and we launched a dating app. Well, it's not exactly a dating app. It's more of a match made on astrology. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck, Ricky? <laughs>
1: yeah, he's always been like that. Uh, he's
0: so woo-woo, man. Yeah, like, he's always been. I should little. introduce him to like a dozen of my exes. <laughs> like, here you go, man. You guys are all fucking meant for each other. <laughs> what the hell is going uh, on here? A dating app based on astrology signs? I'm surprised there's one that doesn't exist already. Uh, honestly, to me too. Yeah. The thing is with those dating apps, though, like you just don't win by being niche. Mm-hmm. You set yourself apart to like carve out some tiny little space in the market, but you never become Tinder or Bumble, yeah, or Hinge. like Hinge did a great job of creating a um, a different slant on the, the dating app.
1: Women have to uh, no, that's Bumble. Oh,
0: that's Bumble. So like, I don't know. Man. Yeah,
1: each of the major not apps, on
0: any of these though. So. Each of the major apps like created uh, a different slant to compete with Tinder. So Tinder was just like the you know derivative of Grindr, where it basically became a hookup site, just swipe as fast as you can and and match. Then Bumble was the woman who started Bumble was um, I believe she was dating the founder of Tinder and may have been a part of their board at some point in time, and then spun off to compete uh, in order to create Bumble. And the right. big the big thing there is that women message first, so they take mm-hmm. control. Hinge. Literally, just what it's genius marketing. They they created themselves as quote unquote the app to be deleted, and that's it. That's the only thing that's different is their marketing. The right? app to
3: be deleted, yeah. yeah. So, so, in, so in instead other words, of swiping, they're saying you're gonna look, you're gonna find your soulmate, correct? Sort of a thing, right? uh, so, instead
0: of leaning gotcha. into hookup culture, they lean into uh, you know, dating with a purpose, and instead of swiping, you like so you like photos or or um, you know, parts of their profile, like whatever. Mm-hmm. So, it's a little bit. Uh, there's a, there's like one more hoop to jump through to if match. If you like with their somebody.
1: photo and they like your photo, it's a match. And yeah. You can message.
0: Yeah, but like, as small of the thing as this sounds like it is. It's actually a big deal compared to swiping. Swiping is so instantaneous, mm-hmm. whereas like liking, liking someone's your, photo takes yeah. an ounce of thought.
1: You got to actually look at it and see, yeah. like, and
3: like, okay, what is this?
0: Yeah, you can't like, autopilot it. Yeah, what are they doing in this I'm photo? sure someone's
3: already figured out a way to game the system.
0: Well, it's not about whether or not they can game the system. It's more <laughs> so just the general re- users so, like uh, will be more mindful. Yeah.
3: So, for instance, that Zodiac one, yeah. you would think, okay, I'm just going to open up 12 accounts with 12 different birthdays. I mean, <laughs> I mean that'd be the, that would be the play, right? You are such a fuckboy. <laughs> that would definitely uh, be the play, I like. Feel he like. Snapped thought of that. He's like. such
0: a fuckboy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah, of course, Like more power to you if, if your purpose in life <clears throat> is to seek out people who believe in astrology and try to manipulate them to sleep with them.
3: <laughs> be like, girl, I'm a fire sign. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the amount of dedication uh. and... Annoying conversations you would have to suffer through. No way on earth it could be worth it. That would be brutal. There's just (laughs) no way it could be worth it. You end up with fucking Snake Woman when it's all said and done. Oh man. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, on to more wholesome content. Dean Eggs yesterday puts out a poll, which I don't know why he put the fucking poll out. We knew the end result Mm -hmm. was going to be a hundred percent of the time. Uh, he put a poll out that said I was walking my dogs in the neighborhood. And came across this young man who uh, recognized me uh, and said that it was he and his friends last night before they all went off to college and that they were going to play a home game. And he invited me to go. Should I go? Yes, no. Or, you know, whatever. And I just instantly replied before, you know, the... before the poll even got off in any capacity, I just immediately replied and said, we all know you're going. Yeah. <laughs> we literally all know you're going. This is what makes you D mm-hmm. You are that accessible to the people for better or for worse. For better. And, and in this instance, well, it's like, okay. it's not like it's a 36 year old fanboy who like, you know, this could get a little bit creepy fast. It's a bunch of 18 year old kids that grew up watching you on TV. Like mm-hmm. you are for go. sure going. <laughs>
2: Over here. All right, what's going on? I brought gifts for everybody. right here. Oh, All you right,
1: so you got it, guys. Pick one, one.
3: <laughs> There we go. That's what's up. There you go. Here we
0: go. Gigi, love it. Gigi loves this. Oh about yeah. It. Like this is why he's a sponsored pro. Mm-hmm. The, these are the things that set him apart for sure. I mean, obviously, like he obviously has more opportunity than most to do this mm-hmm. because he is that well known and he is amongst the people and you know, it is just his personality to be uh, gregarious in these situations and make himself available. So obviously like this is a dream come true for these kids. They'll remember this forever. And he goes around the room at one point uh, and basically like asks them what they're doing. Listen to how affluent this group of kids are and like where they're going to college and what they're studying. Econ or math labor major. Boom. NYU, double major in econ and history. Smart guys. Uh, Rice Finance. UNLV, major in computer engineering, minor in computer science. Okay, Mr. Artsy, where are you going? Women College, film studies. Yep. The the
1: quarterback. (laughs) You guys won state. Look at that. That's the quarterback guy. What? And where are you going? University of Redlands. Okay now, Hotel Management. What do you take me? You don't know. Never mind. You're taking football. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the smart guy right here. USC Biological Science. Okay, he's going to fix us for the next pandemic. I know you're Mr. Plastics. Yeah. Davidson College Biology. Biology. There you go. Howard Business Administration. All right. Georgetown Classics and Government. Classics and Government. What the hell is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have no idea. All right. Hey, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Okay,
3: kid, so we're gonna get wow. the we're gonna get the, the kid going to George Fucking USC. Yeah. yeah,
0: the kid going to Georgetown, Georgetown for sure is Cornell. Pre-law. Is what the kid pre-law? going to Georgetown is for sure pre-law. The yeah. the funny thing that I, I I saw or noticed in that is the one kid is going to UNLV to study computer science. Mm-hmm. The other kid is going to Cornell to study hotel management. Yeah, they yeah. yeah. should switch, <laughs> <Vision> <laughs> switch <laughs> for sure. They should for sure switch schools. I mean, I'm sure the kid that's staying home to go to UNLV is because he wants to commute and everything else but it's not like they're well known for their renowned computer science program where they actually are for hotel management, hotel management yeah. all things along the lines of, of uh you know the industry the so industry, to speak yeah yeah like what a wild group of kids i mean and here in vegas too like no slight to las vegas but this isn't exactly the the most upstanding education Careful. system in america what Careful. do you want me to say <laughs> guabo your fucking public education is no, trash clark county,
3: clark county school district it's I think 47th or 48th. Yes. So I mean, we're not the worst. <laughs> yeah. Know? Same. There's three states.
0: Education oh, sorry, and medical states. here. Yeah. <laughs> Education and medical are bottom like 5%. bottom five yeah. percent in in America yeah, for that's sure. Bad. I mean, obviously, these kids probably all went to private school. Like they live in Dean eggs. Oh yeah, they went to community. Gorman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Who won state? There you go. That that's easy <laughs> yeah. to figure yeah. out. Who won state in cor- mm-hmm. uh, in football? Yeah,
3: Gorman wins everything. Yeah, that yeah. sounds. Yeah. Is not that Bishop where Snoop Dogg's kid went? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay. I
1: think. Mark Wahlberg's kid goes there. Sure. As well.
0: Sure. Why yeah. not? I see Mark Wahlberg out in those F-45 commercials everywhere. Gorman's,
3: uh, uh, yeah. Gorman's baseball team always uh, gets ranked nationally. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're studs mm-hmm.
0: out there. I mean, I assume that they just are able to recruit, right? Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Man, private high school. Mm-hmm. What a yeah. weird. But it,
1: it is cool to see stuff like that happen organically, right? Like he's just yeah. out walking his dogs, and, and then all of a sudden, now he's, you know, at these kids house playing poker with them i think i already got them for like 5000 <laughs> 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 tuition is gone
0: <laughs> oh, oh, i was going to go to college i yeah. wonder how much he dumped
1: <laughs> hopefully he dumped a
0: lot you know oh, they don't kind of, need it I mean, yeah. Every one of these kids Pokes Pokes, look at these fucking kids Pokes are expensive man, Pokes man. yeah Pokes they, are expensive. they're not paying no offense to these kids i'm not trying to slight them but they're they're not paying for shit mm. <laughs> like come on man the kid is uh, going to red line. He's probably on a fucking scholarship. Actually, all these kids are probably on some sort of yeah. They seem pretty
3: intelligent, academics. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Here's your future future uh, congressman and nobleman. Yeah, sitting right. amongst us. But yeah, that's that's got to be a huge. Uh, I don't. It's gotta I got to be kind of surreal Just, for him, right? Yeah, I mean, I assume that this kid's probably been working up the nerve. He's probably been stalking Deneke's <laughs> dog <laughs> walks for like yeah. months. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like. I'm sure that they've, they've known for a long time that they live nearby and right. it's probably been something they've been, uh, you know, kicking around the idea of mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, how often do you just get to like kick it with a celebrity that, that you admire in some capacity? Yeah.
3: Well, I get to do it every day. Shut now. up. Shut <laughs>
0: up. Don't fucking start.
3: Oh, thank you, Guapo.
1: It's really nice of you to say that about yeah. me. You're the welcome. The tortoise, to is, I didn't, I didn't tortoise to stock is well. rising. Yeah.
0: The tortoise stock is for sure rising.
1: Met some a uh, few few fans of the pods yes, yesterday at the uh, the Orleans. Jumped in the Sunday special.
0: Oh, the Orleans is prime yep. territory Bo- for pod bubbled fans. the shit out of it. Okay, it got
1: 29th. out of they paid twenty seventh. Well, you, you know what? I, I took my ace king and my eleven blinds and I didn't fold. I didn't I didn't try to get into the money. I I went all in. Good for you. That's New tortoise. Short. And there was like three shorter stacks than me. And what did they have, tortoise? Uh, they the small blind woke up with queens. Oh. How long will it be before we see you on
3: a Triton stream, uh, Cortis? Uh two years. Okay. Give me Two years.
0: Wow. Yeah. Is that is that facts. We'll see. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Well,
0: I'm gonna hold my breath, but you know.
1: <laughs> Don't hold it too
0: long. I'll I'll buy a piece. All right. I'm a gambling man. Of the 250k. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Maybe if you get into the the business, That's what I'm saying.
1: I'm going to get in. Yeah, well, I'm not going to get
0: into the pro. Well, now that I know that they don't even get to play a full day segregated, I don't know, man. The value might not be there. Yeah. You know, it's a little little iffy. You only get to play a few hours with each other.
1: Somebody's got to get in there and stop Bryn.
0: (laughs) That that part's true. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to the Luxon Invitational that Bryn Kenny did ultimately win, today wrapped up the... Uh, final table of the 125K main event. So, this was an open event. Uh, I'm not sure how many runners it got, but it was a little bit over 4 million to first, I believe. Maybe 4.5 million, uh, where Timothy Adams ultimately came out victorious. Uh, but in the process of Timothy winning this event, big shout out to Tim Adams also, who got, I think, fourth in the 200K. The one that Espen chopped with nacho? Yeah, he did. He bubbled the chop. He he was uh, he was cock blocking the chop and then he bubbled it. Um, a lot of shit happened. A lot of shit happened leading up to this. So first, Jungle Man was chip leading for a lot of the event and uh, was for whatever reason in typical jungle fashion dressed up as a soccer, soccer player, player yeah. I guess. Uh, can't really tell. So he brought his soccer ball, <laughs> table to table, as well as headphones and whatever else he could carry. He, he never half-assed it when he, no. when he,
1: when he, when he gets into, this, into character. No, you that's know.
0: true. Uh, yeah. And he only left himself, you know, maybe a half of a hand in order to carry his chips. And it didn't end well for poor Jungle. Oh,
3: oh is this where uh, he spills everything? Yeah, he
0: fumbled the bag a little bit. Mm. Have I have, I have
3: a feeling you... Uh... Forgot to send me this, but no, you didn't. No, nope, but right I didn't. On point.
0: <laughs> Let's take a look at Jungle. <laughs>
2: him.
0: Jungle. What have you done? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: a great promo uh, That
0: is so prototypically jungle Yeah it really is It's just what you then, doing, You know it
1: wasn't like sometimes you just have like When you're playing well Myself usually When you're playing a tournament you just have like a small stack of chips Right like cause <laughs> You know well, <laughs> yeah, they, they like to the color up a lot And you know sure, sometimes sure, you sure. don't have like a full He had like a full rack that was like Chips flying everywhere Mm-hmm. I hope he got them all back. Well, he he, uh, oh,
0: he was chip bleeding, and he.
1: Oh, he was chip bleeding. Well, that would make sense. Yep.
0: He played a little splash the pot game. Yeah,
1: He splashed the pot, all right.
0: I mean, I've I've been there. I, I spilt chips moving table to table, uh, during the 10k turbo or 10k mystery bounty. But I spilt them emptying my rack on the table. One of my towers collapsed mm-hmm. and fell into uh, Jeremy Osme's. Stack a little bit, but it was very easy to retrieve. Retrieve and like wasn't that big of a deal. That's a problem.
1: That right. That yeah. There's gonna be ch- they're gonna be like under the table everywhere and like
0: just scattered on the stage. Yeah,
1: three or four could have just rolled away. You hate like, to see it. Yeah,
0: you hate to see it. all mm-hmm. just for the the soccer ball meme.
1: Think he got them all back. Yeah,
0: who knows? Who cares?
1: He was chip later. you get a few. Yeah, to you lose can a few. It. What's the difference? Yeah.
0: Uh, he didn't end up winning the event, though. As I mentioned, he came in third uh, behind Timothy Adams and uh, our, our man. His three letters, I can't remember what they are. Oh God, I TLJ J or something. J no, it's R
3: N R N P R N T R I P. it was maybe R N T. There's
1: a J in there somewhere.
0: No, it's J T something. Yeah. Um, it's it's Jean Thorel. Oh, J N T. J N T. Okay. Uh, so, a really interesting hand happened between him, Chidwick, and the eventual fifth place finisher, I believe. Interesting
1: is an uh, understatement.
0: Wild. Also, yeah. Jungleman, <laughs> who doesn't even get involved in this, has Jax in the big blind and just auto-mucks. As he should. Yeah. Look at the hands. It's ace, King, Suited, and Pocket, Jacks. A Three or four-way confrontation incoming. I'll take the over on
3: confrontation. This is Oppenheimer Poker Edition
2: he's in there look at the jack straight in the muck love that from daniel cates mind you it was a cold four bed in front of him oh boy wait did
0: jnt say all in oh my I, did you hear i that? heard all in and for a second i thought it was part of but his lips didn't move he's using multiple time banks actually
2: thinking about folding these two kings because it's insane for jnt to still jam Look at the stack size. This is number one and number two in chips and he's saying I wanna commit all of
0: them out of turn. No way, he folds two kings, Ali. Mind-blowing. He suspected he was up against aces and he was right. Acute optimism, as he says, sounds like spades are
1: alive. Only one hit this flop in a 16 million chip pot. Number one and number two.
0: Chidwick has JNT covered. That's the only mercy as the five of diamonds on the turn leaves him drawing dead and leaves me absolutely shell-shocked. Well, speaking of shell-shocked, Ali, uh, (laughs) it seems as though he had to take it upon himself to rid himself of the dirtiness that he just witnessed. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just give me a moment, Randy. <laughs>
1: You're showering yourself.
3: Yeah. I feel better now. Go on. It Talk felt, about what we just saw. You it felt dirty. You had was, to clean. Was, uh, I need to be cleansed by something because what we observed out there was absolutely insane.
0: Uh, yeah. Always <laughs> oh, the fucking best, man.
3: He's, he's,
1: I, mean, I just saw that now. I haven't seen it yet. This is
0: the Oppenheimer of poker. Uh, the hand is obviously insane. I think that, like the initial reaction in our group chat, is uh, JNT cost himself a lot of chips there. But I actually don't think that's the case at all. I think by him jamming out of turn and kings folding, if you look at the stack sizes, uh, JNT and Chidwick were one and two in chips. Chidwick being the chip leader with nine million, mm-hmm. uh, JNT had like seven and a half. The the player who had kings only had three point eight million, and had he re jammed, correct, had he five bet jammed for three point eight. And, and JT then rejams yeah, jams just feels great. Now, for a 6-bet. Chidwick's going to fold, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I'm really shocked that he didn't make a pretty big exploitative fold here in the moment versus JNT. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just because, you know, it's a 5-bet it's a jam out of turn with a player in between. That could be a few different hands, of course. Yeah. Um, but more so... You know, and I'm profiling here a little bit, but my man JNT looks to be a bit of the OMC type. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. really think we're going to find ace-queen in there no. ever for the five-bet rip. And I, I'm not even positive that we're going to find the out-of-turn out of jam with queens, jacks, or tens. Right.
3: I, I got to defend my boy, Mr. JNT. If you watch him play heads up, yeah, guy's a fucking beast. Okay. He, he, any two cards.
0: Well, that's how Heads Up with an Anti is supposed to be played.
3: Well, listen, he was doing it post-flop eight ways as well. He was opening nine ten off okay. under the gun Okay, as soon as he had the chip lead. Like, the guy just gets in the streets. Okay,
0: this is perfect because, like, this is something... This is not that. And I this is something that I think people fall victim to often in uh, live games where they're playing with live ones or, uh, you know, people who don't understand theory and don't study. They'll look at something in a... Uh, in in a single aggressive node and they'll try to apply it to to everything, to everything, right. Where ranges are just like naturally very narrow. Like there are plenty of people who VPIP 80% that aren't jamming wider than aces for a five bet. And I think that that's something that people drastically overlook of like, Oh, well his ranges are too wide here, here and here. So therefore his ranges must be too wide everywhere. Right. It's like, well, actually his ranges probably are too wide here and here but they stop being too wide aggressively, like three bets and beyond. Yeah, it's like when okay. you when
1: you get cold four bet and then and then you just jam in, when you're one and two in chips.
0: Right. It's well, just aces. It's yeah, just, and he might it's not it's consider it's, the fact that they're one and two in chips, yeah. but you know maybe he really considers that they're one and two in right. chips, and that's why he's jamming because he yeah. like and, doesn't and want to play. Post. The thing is, Chipwick he didn't even
1: think. Wow. I mean, he it's it's snapped. such
0: a standard call off. Like,
1: I, I mean yeah yeah it must be right because he literally didn't think
0: yeah well like you said
1: know. like obviously it would be a pretty big exploitable fold right but like it's, it's actually but like really, the fact that he yeah. didn't even consider the option of thinking about maybe i could exploitably fold here he yeah, just yeah. snapped
3: it's, it's is, actually a really good point i've been watching a lot of stream footage mm-hmm. and he's super wide opening it will be super it, wide opening super and super wide, wide, wide from calling. Every, correct. From yeah. every position. But then as soon as you start to get into the three bets and four bets, yeah. it does change a little
1: I, bit. I mean, this, that's, that's...
0: every 2-5 game in America. Th- I was going to
1: say, this is like the typical, like, you know, I don't know if you want to say fish or whatever you want to say. Like, the people, they play, like, tons and tons and tons of hands. But then when all the money goes in, they just have it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's why I call Airball a fake action pro. It's uh, every 2-5 game in America. It's generally what you, what you see manufacturing whenever people believe that they have a post-flop edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that quote-unquote post-flop edge is, is simply shifting gears from being the loosest player at the table to one of the tightest when the money starts to pile in. Yeah. So effectively, if you look at this from like an investment strategy standpoint, it's the type of player that's willing to invest a bunch of small money in order for an asymmetric payoff. So they'll continually lose three big blinds, six big blinds, eight big blinds over and over and over and over again in repetition in order to get paid 500 big blinds. in a spot where they cool somebody and, off. And they
1: do it because it works. Right. It works because, like, there's a, there's enough people in the game that aren't paying close enough attention yep. to realize that what's happening.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is abundantly clear if you just, like, go back and watch the times that Airball overbets the river on Hustler. Yeah. It's always yeah. nutted. 100% of the time it's nutted. And he gets paid by hands that, if they knew he was nutted, would never pay. Yeah. But they pay based off of the premise that, like, oh, he plays four deuce suited preflop in three and four bet pots. So he has to be too wide. Therefore, he has to have too many bluffs available, and therefore, this is a layup call. Because if he's bluffing at all, I'm I'm printing, and if he's over bluffing, I'm just destroying in the spot. But he's not. The reality is, (laughs) he's just like not bluffing. (laughs) Yeah, ever. Like the bluffs come in for a smaller size, or they don't Mm -hmm. come in at all, and then the nutted hands just pile money in as fast. Yeah, now you're just getting torched by calling. Hundred percent. Yep. Hundred percent. That's that's. Hey guys that's live poker in a nutshell there you go (laughs) that's funny i think i I think
3: i oversimplify when i'm playing online as well when i see like these players that are playing way too many hands i just assume they're just playing bad post-flop as well
0: that's a good point well i mean the thing is is that you should expect them to be too wide at the river but it's when they're when they arrive there passively right so Mm -hmm. you should expect to get called too often uh against these types of players because they land on river with too many hands or you should expect them to overfold because they land there with too many hands. One or the other, right? Like It's when, it's when they
3: re-aggress is that that's when you should really
0: be Yeah, because they're just cherry-picking mm-hmm. hands to do it with, right, right? right? Like, if you're not studied, the only hands that you're aggressive with are the ones that are obvious, and those are always going to be yeah. nuts.
1: Yeah, if there's, like, aggressive actions throughout through the course of the hand, their, na- their range is narrow very, very quickly.
0: Even if they don't narrow, the, the subsection of the range that they choose to be aggressive with yeah. is very right. select, because right. at the end of the day, there's no hand-ranking chart That tells you what your best bluffs are but there's a clear hand ranking chart that tells you what your best value is Mm -hmm. right so if somebody can just like look at the rules of the game and read the board and say this is the nuts and here are the 10 hands that rank just below it that are also worth a lot of money they'll aggress with those hands they can't look at that same board and go oh here are the 10 combinations of bluffs that make the most logical sense Mm -hmm. that block my opponent's value and unblock their folds yeah right like that that that's heuristic just isn't really there it it requires thought it requires precision and study and at the end of the day if you're in a good game you're also in a game that doesn't contain enough bluffing Mm -hmm. so you want to be the aggressor and you want to do very little calling that's that's poker dating back to the dawn of time yeah you know all the way back to the super system era where it's be the aggressor be the one putting in the last bet don't really be the one who's calling off very much and the reason for that isn't because calling isn't profitable in poker trust me it fucking is pot odds are a real thing and especially if people are mispricing their hands like you're just getting laid infinite prices here to call and be right the issue is not that calling is inherently bad it's that calling when there are no bluffs in range and you don't beat value is inherently bad yeah and that's like a really difficult lesson for somebody who's well studied in theory, to kind of extrapolate out into the wild. That's why, like, when we look at these high rollers, uh, we can easily recognize that they're the best in the world. But in the near term, they would give up some win rate playing open field events, right? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, if we if we turned a GTO bot loose on the main event, eventually it would become the best player in the field, right? And eventually it would, especially if it was like an AI GTO. Oh,
1: where it's just learning. Where it could adapt, yeah. like uh, a yeah. neural
0: network of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't take yeah, long. Yeah, because it would, it
1: would stop making those calls. That, yeah, it wouldn't take long for it to iterate. GTO it wouldn't take it, long yeah. for it
0: to iterate like what the new equilibriums are mm-hmm. or what the most exploitative right. plays are, et cetera. Uh, but even if we unleashed like a GTO bot, it would be the strongest player in the pool for sure. But it would take time for it to maximize its earn, mm-hmm. right? Whereas... In this lifetime, where we only get to play a couple dozen main events ever, uh, the the player who can make really, really, really big adjustments in the moment is going to be the one that re- gets most rewarded right. in these field types. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that they're going to make the most amount of money over their lifetime or that they're going to run the deepest because variance is still a thing, and you're only play the sample is zero, <clears throat> right? But it is saying that, like, in any one individual spot, uh, they're going to maximize their EV against the weakest players. Now, what they do against the rest of the field is going to depend upon how well they can uh, default back to theory, right? So even still, like, they might not be the best player in the field. They might not be making the most money in the field if their only skill set is exploiting fish, right? Because... Uh, at the end of the day, you still have to navigate these pots versus people who are playing theoretically sound. So, if you come across a Chidwick in the main event, you don't want to be losing tremendously in that spot. You like want to be trying to break even or or lose small, whatever, and then make all of your earn off of all the weaker players in the field. Right. If you're getting torched by a guy like Chidwick, then you're not going to do well in the main. And there are a handful of those guys too, right? So, like, there's a big difference between a Joe McKeon type and, um, you know, like a Nicky Palma. Palma's going to be like really good at all the soft skills. So is McKeon. McKeon's also going to be like really well grounded in theory. I don't know how much Palma studies. Maybe it's way more than I give him credit for. I'm not sure. But like those are two archetypes that I, I would compare and contrast, you know, uh, that's what makes live poker so fucking beautiful, man. It's yeah. like you're, you're navigating on so many different planes where the equilibrium for one spot versus one player type is going to be very different than that versus another. Because the ranges are just going to be so incredibly skewed, mm-hmm. and all we can do is study for the general. Right, you know, right? Yeah, you can only game plan for for the uh, for the for the hypothetical, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to to actually sit down and develop different strategies that are so precise that we've looked at what the different equilibriums look like, and we have these all bucketed mm-hmm. in our head, and we know exactly where the adjustments. That, that's not the way it works, and that's why I talk about. The different skill sets necessary to succeed in online versus live high rollers versus open fields, et cetera, et cetera, because the, the precision necessary when you're constantly adjusting your strategy based off of player profile type is way less than it is whenever you're in effectively a kind environment where everybody's operating on some spectrum of the same strategy, their mistakes are all going to be derived From a lack of comprehension of equilibrium or uh, a lack of execution or precision of what those equilibrium strategies look like right and you're going to pounce because you're going to recognize like oh he's choosing a size that's disincentivized here he went too big he went too small. But, uh, you know, the range that is going to do this is still probably going to be X. Mm-hmm. So you can just capitalize on it by, you know, saying like, okay, well, when he goes too big with the same range that's supposed to go small, then I do Y. That type of stuff. But when you're out in the wild and you're playing old man coffee one hand, and then you're playing drunken whale the next hand, and then you're playing, you know, well-studied reg the next hand.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like um, like these these tournaments, these, you know... These tournaments in Vegas that happen, like you know, like the, the Venetians and the, uh, you know, that the like uh, the tournament I played yesterday at, at Orleans, you you do have a wide, a very very wide range of players, right? From people who never looked at a solve, never studied anything, are just there for a, a, a good old time, and then you have people that you know
3: they're they're the
1: the Vegas tournament regs that mm-hmm. are going to play and, and and you know play well. Um, and yeah, you do. I, I found myself a lot of times making what I thought were explo- exploitable folds against certain players, but then exploitable calls against others. Right. Right. And it's just like, and trying to navigate which players to do that with and just based on, you know, their profile. Right. Right. And, and seeing to so like, play a handful of hands.
0: Right. And the thing is, is that like you're not going to scrutinize this on a layer of precision because you don't really have vision over what that precision looks like. Right. Right. And same thing with like a bunch of multi way spots. So live, you're just going to play a bunch of multi-way spots you're going to play a bunch of out of position so spots. so many
1: more it's it's unbelievable how often we went like five ways four or five ways to the flop like right you know in, in these tournaments it's just that's the nature of right the game. and
0: you're going to play a bunch of out of position mm-hmm. spots that you wouldn't otherwise play like yeah. there just isn't good sims out there for under the gun eight versus hijack right you know like yeah, you could study this, but like, what are you going to do when every preflop semi run says hijack doesn't have a calling range?
1: <laughs> yeah. like, yes, they do. They're supposed to, but they do. Or that hijack's only right. supposed
0: to call like 1.8% of their range. Right. It's like, well, Joe calls all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he obviously has hands that aren't right. theoretically optimal, so I right. can't study this. And that's that's what I think is like really lost for those who aren't in the arena, so to speak, right? Like we talked about this, uh, maybe it was last Thursday on the pod or maybe last Friday. I can't recall where I was basically saying like, uh, you know, there are these arenas where we can recognize these guys are the most precise players in the world. Online cash, online MTTs, live MTT, Mm -hmm. uh, high rollers, right? Right. These guys understand theory better than anybody else in the community. It's not even remotely close. Their ability to access it in game and Uh, apply it with precision is what makes them truly remarkable with their craft but it's very specific to that environment not that it won't work in other environments it's just not necessary Mm -hmm. because they're going to get thrown into so many unique spots that they will have no vision over and can no longer be precise in yeah they're out of position under the gun versus hijack right this doesn't exist in theory so now what you're just going to apply your knowledge from under the gun versus button and hope that it it, it does enough. And it will. Don't get me wrong. Like, these guys are going to do fine in that spot. Mm-hmm. My point is they won't be precise. Yeah. Right? So they're already going to be abandoning the thing that they are absolutely best at, which is executing with precision. Now, they're also some of the best thinkers in the world. And they're going to be plenty good at extrapolating how this should play out. But the point is, is that with each one of these variables, you get further and further away from a precise strategy and you start to delve into more of a generalized strategy that you can apply against different profile types. Well, against a weak passive type, I'm going to get to bet a lot more frequently because I know when I check, he checks back too often, mm-hmm. right? Against a more aggressive type, I'm going to have to play closer to range check because I know that he's going to be betting and raising a at a much greater frequency. And these are just going to be assumptions that are going to drive my strategy. And then I'm going to default back to what I understand about theory in general in order to navigate the rest of the way. But we're freestyling, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, we're out there. We're playing some street poker. And that just has to be the way that it is. And it's what makes lives so beautiful. It's what makes it so profitable. And it's what makes it so protected there is no convergence on zero the way we see at scale online right we're we're reaching billions and billions and billions of hands being played or having been played in the in the past and being able to analyze all that data we will start to converge closer and closer and closer to to break even to that equilibrium right the strategy will continually refine that can never happen live it well, it's I not mean, that it can never happen but it can't happen without the aid of technology right right something would have to occur that allowed people to have an in-game HUD that allowed people to scrape data that allowed people to understand like if we were all playing on RFID tables Mm -hmm. all of the time with an app running that scraped all the data and we all had those HUDs available to us. This is not going to happen. And we're wearing Google Glasses. (laughs) That would all lead to the convergence upon zero because now there's a a competitive edge Mm -hmm. in getting the data converted into game theoretically sound strategies and executing with precision. Right. But as live guys, what we accept is that the precision isn't there and we're going to trade off the ability to quote unquote, know with a high degree of certainty, what to do in every single spot for some volatility and free money. Right. Much more volatile environment. Also much freer money. The money just comes and flows hand over fist. It's why these massive win rates are potentially available, right? Right. But we're sacrificing volume and we're sacrificing precision. And that's okay. You don't need it when, when the win rates are that high. Right. The, well, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a give and take, right? The way that we look at a variance calc to see how much volatility we're going to suffer, there are two major variables at play. Amount of hands played, aka volume, and win rate. The higher your win rate, the fewer hands you need to play to ensure that you yep. won't suffer uh, massive swings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, that, that's not the right way to frame it. The higher your win rate, the, higher your win rate, uh, the, the lower chance there will be of ruin. Right. The higher hands you play, the lower the, the swings will actually be for you, right? So if you're able to put in a million hands a year, your volatility is near zero, right? But if you can only put in 20,000 hands a year, your volatility is going to be very high. But if your win rate is high, the likelihood of you losing is near zero. Yeah. Right. And that's all. I know this is kind of spinning into uh, the, the Jonathan Little debate that we were having, but um, I think that that was my, my problem is that it was all being framed in a way such that all you have to do is show up more and you won't lose and that's just fundamentally false in the live environment and I mean it started off as like a cordial exchange and the more he dug in the more that I I pushed back Uh, but effectively um, Chris George jumped in and basically said like the reason why volume isn't or or can't be the main focus for everybody moving forward is twofold. number one online environments have gotten too tough for you to now mass multi-table So you, like if you're winning in those environments, then probably the volume is right. Bit- but we're talking to some, we're talking to a whole different subset of people. Mm-hmm. Right.
3: I, I kind of want to chime in here. Cause uh, I kind of feel like, and maybe this is a little embarrassing, but I feel like Jonathan little speaks to me. Like when I see those that's things, not embarrassing. Like, oh, I think okay. he's very like, good at what he does. I'm like this makes a lot of
0: sense. Well, that's the, that that's why I pushed back. Right. Okay. So like to get, to lay it all out here, I have no problems with Jonathan. I have no problems with the way he runs his business. And I have no problems with the, uh, the the way that he teaches and the information that he puts forward where i do take issue is the platitudes and the regurgitation of things that aren't exactly true to people who don't otherwise know better for better or for worse he's a thought leader in this industry and you know using you as an example or anybody else that sure. is a casual player looking to take it more seriously when jonathan says these things flippantly Like putting in more volume means that you'll have no risk.
3: Yeah, I take that to heart.
0: Right, and it's bullshit, right? Because the thing that dictates your risk the most is your win rate. Mm -hmm. If you're winning one big blind per hundred, the amount of volume you have to put in is unattainable. You know, you you have to put in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hands. What if you're losing one big blind an hour? And if yeah, now
1: now you're just you're 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 losing that much more. Of course. Well, not only that,
3: with that type of variance, you could actually go a a whole year have a small win rate, only to realize that you're actually losing yeah uh, so you uh, could spend the next two or three years trying to chase that and
0: this is the other thing that i i have a problem with is it gets conflated. time gets conflated with hands right. and they're not the same right and that, that was that was the pushback that i put in the thread i was like okay uh when you speak about volume what are you talking about live because all you can do like he he very purposefully said uh hours does not equal volume and he's right it doesn't. If you're one tabling online and you're putting in 2,000 hours a year, you're not putting in any volume. You know, you're playing maybe like 20,000 hands, something along yeah. those lines. And it's
1: even more 40, when, you're thousand hands. About, when you're talking about tournaments.
0: Yeah, of course. Right. So now if you're, if you're one tabling MTTs every single day for that's no volume. for 300 days, that's only 300 games. Yeah. That's no fucking volume. Right. But that's my point. Because if you're playing live, that's the best you could do. Yeah. With re entries, maybe, maybe 500. A, a, a Conrad type grinder yeah, right. might put in 500 buy ins a year. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And that sample is still nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the best online guys like Pads are probably putting in somewhere around, uh, I'm ballparking, I'm not sure, but I think I'm on the low end saying something in the neighborhood of 5,000 games a year.
3: I mean, look, on a Saturday and Sunday alone, he's got to be firing how many tournaments? And that's just... Probably like 20 unique. Right, and and that's just over the weekend.
0: Right. Each It's probably 20 unique each day plus re-entry. So it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 100 to 150 on a weekend. Times that times 50. And let's be honest, it's actually 52 for pads because he's never taking a weekend off. but, (laughs) But multiply that by 50... And you're looking at like seventy five hundred, yeah. and you're talking that, about that's two already 5,000 5, 5, yeah. to seventy five hundred. Yeah, that's already between five k and seventy five hundred tournaments a year. Now, if you put in another two days of grinding, you're well over ten thousand games a year. In the live realm, that would take you two and a half decades, right? Right. So it's just not feasible. That's why. That's why I have like such a distaste for this message because the notion of like find a game you can beat and just pump out volume is fine for 2003 but it's not applicable now because the only place that you can truly get hands in is online and those spaces have gotten tough at any reasonable stake yeah if you want to play <coughs> micros and put in volume to get better okay fine the 1 cent 2 cent games are going to be available <laughs> and you can play a million hands there yeah and you are not going it- to make any money yeah you're not going to make any money uh which is ultimately what this message is suggesting but you will get a lot of xp You'll get a lot of experience points. in this, right? putting in reps, but if you try to do this at 50 cent a dollar, you're going to get fucking wrecked without a big win rate. Yeah. And you're not going to have a big win rate. Naturally. You have to be really studied to go out and uh, I'm not saying those games aren't beatable. Of course they are, but they're beatable for somebody who knows what they're doing. They're not beatable for a beginner.
1: Yeah. It's like, if you do have a big win rate, then you're already probably already putting in the volume.
0: Right. Who's this message towards, Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, if it's to the live guy, I want to. I want to see the person. He claims he has many students who are playing thirty five hundred hours a year at two five and five ten.
1: Wow, that's a lot. And that winning, is
0: and winning, and winning thirty big blinds per hundred. That's 100.
1: That is double a like
0: a full time job. Just shy, right? Just for, shy. One hundred
3: sixty hours for the month, right?
0: It's seventy yeah. hours a week, fifty weeks a year.
3: Yeah, that's that's pretty, that's that's pretty fucking brutal.
1: You you literally doing nothing else but playing poker,
0: oh, it, and sleeping. That aside. Even if it's attainable, which I don't... Tru- or, yeah, I don't even think it's attainable. It's certainly not sustainable. So no, what, no. What, what the implication is, is that if you do this for one year... Like, I don't know, man. He made it sound like this is just something you should be able to do year in and year out. I don't think it's possible at all. But... You burn out. Even mm-hmm. if you didn't burn out. Like, let's say you're a machine and you can just do it. You can, you can handle it. You have to be able to find enough games... To it actually log 3,500 yeah. hours, you have to be able to beat those games for, for not a win rate of 30 big blinds per 100, an average win rate of 30 big blinds per 100, according to what Jonathan's saying. Okay. Because what you have to remember is if you're trying to play 3,500 hours, you can't just game select. No.
3: I was under the impression that if you're winning at 10 BBs per, you're like absolutely crushing live.
0: Of course. Well, so- 10 BBs per hour would be 30 big blinds per 100.
3: Right, so if you're playing 2-5 and you're making 50 bucks an hour, like
0: you're you're, you're, beating, top 5% you're fucking in the killing pool. that game. Yeah. You're top 5% in the pool, for sure. So
3: are, is he implying that you can make $150 an hour playing 2-5?
0: No, no, no. He's saying $50 an hour. Oh, okay. But that equates to 30 big blinds per 100. Okay, gotcha. Right? Um, and yeah, like here's the thing.
3: But still, that's like top tier if you're
0: at that. It is top game. tier, but it's very doable. So do I think people are making 10 big blinds per hour? In two, five and 5.10? Five, Absolutely. Mm-hmm, Plenty. Sure. My entire career, I've made over 10 big blinds per hour in every game that I've chosen to play. However, the most hours I've ever put in any single game in a year is 1,500. Because it's almost impossible to be mindful of your bankroll, to be mindful of game selection, to show up day in and day out, to live a healthy life and do all the other things, and, that's already and triple hours, that yeah. volume.
3: Yeah. That's 30 hours a week, I think, already. So yeah. yeah.
0: And I haven't even done that since I was coming up, right? Like, that was me eating, breathing, living. And it was also pre-study. There was no study. Like, I saw him talking about, like, his sit-and-go days and, you know, how he would grind and then study. It's like, study what, man? It was 2005. Rereading Super System doesn't count. <laughs> like, I don't even think we had poker stove yet. We, we didn't even have, like, basic equity yeah. calculators back then. You know? So it's like, what were we studying? So I wasn't studying. I was thinking. I was thinking about the game, I was talking hand histories with friends, but all I was getting was subjective opinions and then, you know, projecting mine onto them so like, yeah, you're, you're hammer to nail approach and you're constantly refining yourself in the environment itself, trying to take feedback from what you observe but it's all fucking biased you know, it's not worth it's, 100 hours in game is probably equivalent to 10 hours with a solver maybe fewer, it might be equivalent to like 5 hours with a solver
3: if you know how to study with us.
0: Right, yeah, if you know what you're doing, right. So, you know, basically what I was saying is that this this advice is very much just a, a banal platitude that's being cast upon to people who don't know any better and are now going to get invigorated to go put their nose to the grindstone and put 3,500 hours on the felt, only to come up... Like, he's setting people up for failure, in my opinion. People who... like. Anybody capable of a 10 big blind per, per hour win rate is never going to put in 3,500 hours. Right. It's not worth it. And what I'm positive of, if you could show me the person playing 5'10 and below that makes 350K a year, I'll back <laughs> off this argument. I'll back off immediately. They just don't exist. There's no one making $1,000 an hour at 5,10 playing 3,500 3, hours a year. There's just no fucking way. $100 an hour. Sorry, yeah, $100 an hour. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, um, But yeah, it's just, there's, there's, just, there's just no chance, right? So my point was the people capable of that win rate are capable of it because of all the outlier factors that come into upping your win rate. That's study, that's game selection, that's bankroll management, and that's shot taking. Mm-hmm. All of these things are much more critical than just showing up day in and day out, slaving away at a mindless stake level that you know you're beating for x amount the in, in the live realm measuring your expectation based off of things like hourly uh things like big blind per hundred they're too inaccurate to be worth anything you'll never get an adequate sample size mm-hmm. if you play two thousand hours a year and you have some of the best games in the world with the fastest dealers and the fastest players you may play 50,000 hands. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Right? Like 25 hands an hour, probably 30 at tops. So 50 to 60,000 hands. That's a month online. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
3: It's funny. I remember reading, uh, what was it? Dusty Schmidt. Yeah. Um, Leather ass. Yeah. Treat your poker like a business. Yeah. It talked about where he would go on runs on a couple on a couple occasions where he would play a hundred thousand hands yeah. and make zero
0: dollars. Of course course mm-hmm. it happens all the time it won't really happen live too often though
3: because the games are so
0: good yeah the games are so good the mm-hmm. volatility is so high that's the whole point is the volatility is there so you swing a lot and the other thing that it overlooks by making that statement like it's such a thoughtless statement in my opinion because the other thing that it overlooks outside of the whole aspect of if you're an mtt guy it's impossible for you to put in more than 500 live buy-ins a year if you're a mid-stakes cash guy Uh, you know, showing up day in and day out and playing shitty games is going to drop your win rate while increasing your hours. It ignores those exchanges. Fine. What it also ignores is the vast majority of the people playing this game live in America. They don't have access. If you're not in Vegas, Florida, or LA, you cannot play 3,500 hours of cash a year. You just can't. It's not feasible.
1: Yeah, it's not at those stakes. What are
0: you going to be in Arkansas? Yeah,
3: and find a seven-day you could a week play, game? You could,
1: you could probably play one-three, but like that's that's about Maybe. the highest stake you're going to get.
0: Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, even if you look at a market like Pittsburgh, like yeah. I'm sure Rivers has a one-three game every single day. Probably right. Yeah. For ten hours. Yeah, probably. Ten hours plus every single day. I would think. I would think there's always a game running there. 24 uh, seven. I mean, maybe
1: not, maybe from like the time, maybe from like, you know, four to eight in the morning or four to nine in the morning, pro- probably not. But I would think throughout the day, you could always walk in
0: there and I get, would a, think, get a I, game going. I would think it would be close. Yeah. yeah. I would think it would be I mean, close.
1: I, I have not I haven't stepped in that room uh, for a long right. time and don't know. I, don't I just really know small markets. The, well, I just know yeah. small
0: markets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, the demand is really, really low. Mm-hmm. Whenever, and and we're also talking about 1-3, right? Like right. if you're That's at all trying to play 2-5. Oh, forget it.
1: Right, yeah. It's it's Yeah, you're looking to get like one or two games a week maybe. I right, right.
0: Right, and, and mm-hmm. not only that, but even in the places that do have access, like let's say that you your regular room is uh, Boston Harbor or Maryland Live, places like this that do probably have uh, a solid game running seven days a week. Right. You might have to travel an hour each way. Yeah, and what if you have to take a shit during the session? <laughs> right? Like a 15-minute bathroom break each day over 350 days. Yeah. That's another couple hundred hours.
3: Yeah, 80. Well, depends on who you're talking 80 to. 80 hours. I don't, I, don't, right. I don't do 15 minutes. Yeah.
0: Well, you're going to take multiple breaks, right? No, I'm just saying it's and much it, longer than 15 minutes. Okay, fair. <laughs> but, I mean, that's my whole point. So, it's like... right. I just feel like the entire message is very thoughtless and it's abund- it, Like it's very clear to anybody who actually knows and studies this stuff, who considers himself like a, a professional in this industry, a spokesman for the community, a thought leader, whatever the case may be, that this is all kind of bullshit. And the problem with calling it out is somehow the people who are in the position to take this advice don't understand that it's not to their benefit and instead they get very defensive of the source and they say like oh you're just being catty you just don't like jonathan and it shows like i have no problem again i have no problems with jonathan i have a problem with the message right i I would have a problem no matter who said this and this is uh you know i i kind of made it a point in in the thread to say like look there's endless competitors in this space I very rarely speak poorly of any of them, even Doug included, unless they do or say something that I think is harmful to the people that they're speaking to. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't ever call Phil out because he doesn't put out bullshitty marketing threads. And the problem with the marketing tactic of uh, cast a wide net, say generic things that were true at one point in time and just repackage them as your own original thought is that they are very uh harmful let's say to the people who are really trying to make a way but don't have any guidance yet right of course they're not going to the, the the people that the, the the advice could actually help like somebody like landon for instance like hey man you should put in a little bit more volume okay he ups his mtt's played a year from 200 to 350 it's not going to change anything His hourly is going to be his hourly. His win rate is going to be his win rate. His ROI is going to be his ROI. And he's just going to make a few extra bucks at the end of the year. That's not a a substantial uh, sample size at all. But he's the person that that message may hit him a little bit and say, you know what? I don't necessarily play enough. I should look to play 2,000 hours this year instead of 1,500. Something along those lines. Like, I'm in my grind mode. That's fine. They're going to be able to see through the message. They're going to be able to interpret it in a way that says, okay, He's wrong in the specifics, but the general thought of if you're good at the game and you have a win rate, it's important to be at the table is one that should apply to everybody. And that's very reasonable.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You don't need to market to people who are already good at the game. It's very clear his marketing is towards beginners and people who are trying to get good at the game who may or may not even have a win rate. We can't start talking volume. We, we can't walk before we, or we have to walk before we run. Right. Can't put the cart in front of the horse, you know? Yeah, you can't, like, I
1: mean, if, if you're putting in that much volume and you don't have a win rate, how are you going to get, like, how when, when's the time to study? to get better. Right. To, to turn the negative win rate into an actual win rate.
0: Right. And that's what Chris was saying in his thread, and I couldn't agree with him more. With online getting significantly tougher for people who are entering the market, and uh, even even at the mid and high stakes level, like people aren't playing a million hands a year any longer. You know, during the Supernova Elite years, it was a minimum requirement of like a million hands a year to become Supernova Elite. Very few people, if anyone, is putting out that kind of volume. We yeah. don't see the Nanonoku's thirty tabling. We don't see the elkies twenty tabling any longer. Right. Like that's just not really a thing, you know. So what he was basically saying is, with online getting that much tougher. And with live being so slow, the way to increase your bottom line is to up your win rate, not your volume. And I wholeheartedly agree. The way to up your win rate, outside of experience, of course, is to study. So it has to be a healthy mix of playing and studying. And that will just forever be the case moving forward. Unless like some derivative of this game crops up in a way where nobody has any inkling as to what's going on and we see another 2003 type of boom but I think the likelihood of that happening is near zero right yeah. because you would just be talking about a whole new industry beginning right like you know if if tomorrow somebody makes a game that somehow combines connect Four, Texas Hold'em and chess <laughs> you know maybe we see a temporary boom until people figure it out but like those carnival games don't really have much shelf life right. because they do get solved, you know, eventually like if we're, de- if we're deriving them from our brains, it's probably coming from a place where uh, we've already thought of the ending. You know, that's the, that's kind of the way that we reinvent things now. Um, and I, I think from my standpoint, like, look, I'm not going to apologize for, for calling this bullshit behavior out. Like, I, it's not a personal thing. It to me is, our due diligence as people who have platforms within this industry, as far as like guiding and directing people who are new and interested in figuring out what to do next. And I think taking them blindly down a path that's going to get their head lopped off is not in good faith. And I'll die on that Hill. And I'm fine by dying on that Hill. I, I don't care if I'm liked or disliked over this. I was very conscientious of like, not making this a personal thing, not turning this into some sort of like Doug esque attack. It's just shitty messaging, man. And that's okay. You're allowed to have shitty messaging, just as I'm allowed to call it out. Mm-hmm. Neither of us have to change. Neither of us have to budge. We can both just coexist in this sort of way. And I think it's healthy for the industry. I think it's healthy for all industries. We see this in a lot of different places. Some people love Nassim. some people dislike his messaging. You know, it gets discussed. That's the way that, you know, these types of things should flesh out. Whether it happens publicly or not, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's debatable. But I just think, I, I don't know. Like, I think that this is important enough to have a conversation over.
1: Yeah, I think so. Well, like, you know,
0: <laughs> if you were to start tomorrow, where would you begin?
1: Me personally? Yeah. I mean, I would start with, with study. Right, but, but like, like, okay, what, what so, you so you, so
0: you want to study. Yeah. Now, what's the first step? Uh, go to io. <laughs> that's my point, yeah. right? Like you, yeah. you, would, you would Google, you mm-hmm. would look to the, the community. You would, yep. you would just look to the community, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You would immediately would, right. look to the community yes. to point you in a direction. Yeah. And you would say, what are other smart people doing mm-hmm. that have an interest yeah. in
1: this? Where do I start? How do I do it? What, put, tell me what to do, A, B, and C. Yeah. yeah. I
3: specifically yeah. remember Landon talking about this and I think he said to, uh, to just get a coach. And I think that's probably... If you have the means, obviously. It's Uh, scary
0: though. Yeah. It's scary because like, look how much pushback I got for calling out this sort of messaging, right? Imagine if you were criticizing a one-on-one coach for like not being necessarily sharp at what he's doing or or anything. And I'm not even suggesting we should do that. My whole point is there's no peer review. So imagine that you're brand new to the game and you want to get a one-on-one coach. Where do you go? Yeah. Right?
3: Just go to the first thing that pops up.
0: Right. And also something within your, your means, right? right? So what ends up happening whenever you just hire some rando who's been playing 2-5 five for five years and charges you 50 bucks an hour? A lot I mean, more harm yeah. than good. I mean, this is very, this is very uh, comparable to what you see in the, the fitness industry. Can't tell you how many trainers I've come across that have no goddamn idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And like, fortunately, I wasn't subjected to that. Like, fortunately, it was me well after the fact of having, like, some reasonable idea of what's going on, being able to observe and just go, I can't believe this guy's charging 30 bucks an hour. Like, he is incompetent, you know? And that's just always going to be the way it is because the person who's coming for help is a layperson. They're not qualified to make a decision outside of just, like, is it a good fit based off of personality? Do I like this person? Can I converse with this person? Do I seem to retain something good from the things that he's saying? And if the answer is yes, then obviously there's going to be some value there. And I'm not poo-pooing anybody out there who's trying to offer some level of value. But what I am saying is as an industry, as, as an industry, we don't really do much to, um, to help qualify the, the best places for beginners to look. And that's okay, but it's expensive to them. You know, it's costly and it can set them back. So, these public discussions, the things that are free for them to consume, should be the areas where we kind of air it out. Right. You know?
1: And they can read the threads, and they can go back and forth, and they can make their own decisions. Yeah, they can pass on me because they think I'm an asshole,
0: and they can gravitate towards Jonathan because he's Mm -hmm. spoon-feeding them what they want, but, you know, at the end of the day, only a select few people are going to rise to the highest ranks, and then only another You know, sub portion of those people are ever going to be winners. So it's like if you want to be in that top third echelon of actually being able to show a profit in this game, then you might have to take some lumps along the way and swallow some bitter pills and and tough truths. And, you know, it's going to come down to who's most diligent, who's a self starter, who finds the best information. That's really the arms race now. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of like who has the best poker sense or card sense or or aptitude for this game that's a nice little ball of clay to start with mm. but it's not a prere- prerequisite anymore right. you know
1: there's enough information out there that almost anybody with reasonable intelligence can can become good at this game they just need to know how to access it know how to use it
0: yeah and and honestly you want to know who is going to be the biggest influences on this i think in my opinion outside of of the twitter personalities The vloggers. Yeah. For sure. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: For sure. The vast... I I think that... Well, they get the most eyeballs on not We haven't stated this enough, but I can't explain how important to the poker ecosystem I believe the vloggers to be. Mm -hmm. They bring in eyeballs in a way that ESPN used to. Yeah. And I don't think that this is debatable. We talk a lot about poker production. We talk a lot about streams. We talk a lot about the direction we wish that things would go. And we... Drastically overlook vloggers and the importance of what they do and how much we should actually be trying to figure out ways to scale it better. Yeah. Right. Finding a way to integrate the vlogging community with the live streaming community is such a no brainer. That's something that's crazy to me that isn't capitalized on. How does one of these stream houses, especially like, you know, for instance, uh, the Tropicana here in Vegas, all the vloggers are from here or live here. They're they're not from here, but most most all of them are based here, right? Because they mm-hmm. it's where they get their volume in. How do you not have a weekly a vlogger, vlogger game. game? Yeah, right. Once a week. Mm-hmm. Once a week. Yeah. Get a collection of the top. Get a pool yeah. of the top twenty five vloggers. Fly Our audiences so, are gonna come over yeah, and watch. Fly some right? of them in. Like yeah. do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Get a routine game where we can see these characters right. in their element doing the thing that they do
1: yeah everybody wants to watch their favorite vlogger in action yeah on a stream
0: yeah and it's like you know you're not going to get Owen and Nimi they're, they're a part of the lodge but more importantly they've graduated beyond like, like they've built something so big that they're now beyond it you right. know and that's fine there are dozens and dozens of people coming up and a handful that are you know one, one notch below Nimi and Owen. Mm-hmm. Give these guys their shine. Get them in there. You know, and it's not to say that they, the the vloggers don't get the play. Of course, we see Johnny Vibes on all the streams. We see Brad and we see uh, Andrew out at the lodge. We see, um, you we know, see Mariano. Jamie, we don't
1: see Jamie very
0: often. Almost never. Right? Yeah. Uh, we 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 see Mariano and Rampage. They they make their appearances. Right. But the problem is, is they get individualized.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Johnny will just play a random Tuesday at Hustler. Play random Thursday on the bike, right? Uh, you know, Mariano has become like a regular Friday player on the Hustler, but it's just Mariano. Mm-hmm. Rampage is an occasional Friday player on on Hustler, but like it's a feature of just Rampage. Like they'll become the feature. And what I'm saying is, feature the space, yeah. Feature that portion of the industry as a whole, right? Make it a theme. Make it something where something similar to the creative creators game that we saw on Hustler where it was just all of these influencers from other spaces, Mm -hmm. we know what we're getting is the audience. Yeah. And that crushed smashed. I mean, (laughs) for good reason. Yeah. I think the vlogger thing would be a slower grow, but I think the upside of it is much, much, much larger than any other sort of like, I don't know, random, uh, carnival games or, or, or random ideas that we can come up with that are just like a little niche and a little bit, uh, tacky to, to draw viewership in. On that note, <laughs> stay safe out there, kids. Stay safe. You got a lot of options in how you learn this game and how you apply yourself. Make sure you're you're doing what's best for you. Great. Uh, we do have an academy coming up September 1st through the 3rd. If you guys are interested in that, you can head to academy. That's going to be uh, three days of strategy construction from the ground up. We're going to teach you a lot of the game theory heuristics. That help us make those global decisions in-game in the live environment. It will be specifically geared towards live cash. uh, So be sure to be prepared for that. If you're interested, again, head to academy.software.io and be sure to sign up soon. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, We're going to be doing an evening podcast tomorrow and Wednesday. Matt Hunt will be joining us tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. We'll be 7 p.m. on Wednesday. And then we have a very special guest Thursday morning at 10 a.m. I'll tell you guys more about that as the week rolls on. Thank you all so much. Lamana Guapo, I appreciate you putting the show on your shoulders, carrying this son of a bitch.
1: Yep. We do it.
0: I know who's going to carry the boats.
1: Mm-hmm. And the logs!
0: That's going to do it for us. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace. Peace.